Welcome to the Real Life Resilience Podcast. Stories of recovery from life's most difficult trauma with Stacy Brookman. Everybody's in that happy mode and it's hard times for people when they're really going through some really serious stuff. You may not get to happy, but you can get to peace. And you can create moments of peace, seconds of peace, with the goal of creating longer moments of it. Hey guys, this is Stacy Brookman, and I'm glad you're listening to Real Life Resilience, the podcast with stories of real people who have gone through real tough situations. Today's guest is a certified life coach, and she runs Good Grief Coaching. For the past eight years, her focus has been on resilience, joy, and leadership. In fact, she knows that resilience is a skill. So, if you want to boost your resilience skill, then stay tuned. Before we discover more, let me share something with you that might change your life. You've always been a strong person, stronger than you realize, actually. But sometimes, thinking about the past unearths emotions and memories that are painful. Let us take you step-by-step through discovering your life story and the wisdom and healing power that it holds. Register now for Stacy's next free webinar where she reveals the four simple, proven methods to writing the first chapter of your life story this week. Simply click on the link in the show notes or head to stacybrookman.com webinar. I love to hear from my listeners personally and I answer my own emails. So drop me a line and let me know what you found interesting in this episode or to ask me a question. My email is stacy at stacybrookman.com. Now let's welcome a woman who believes that even when you're going through adversity, joy and peace are always available to you, Sharon Roth Lichtenfeld. So Sharon, I know that you believe that resilience, people aren't born with resilience. They can learn it. Tell me a little bit about what you do and how you help people be more resilient. That's a great question. So the first thing is there's a lot of research that's around that you're not born resilient. It's not a genetic trait. It's a skill set that every individual has inside of them and can cultivate it at any given moment in their life. And that comes out of all of that resilience research that's out there. So what I do um, in my coaching uh, practice and with individuals is that typically they come into my practice because they're experiencing some type of adversity. Typically it's a relationship problem or they've got, they want to get separated or have a divorce or maybe someone they know has died or maybe there's an illness or they've have a job loss. And I call them those, the big four things. Um, and which is the big adversity. And they come into my practice because they want to feel better. They want happiness. They want joy. They want all the things that they want in their life. And so my focus is to help them create inner resilience, meaning the skill to see things from a different point of view and to recognize that inside of them, they have that part of themselves that can create peace and joy no matter what um, in their life. And I help them work through those issues and cultivate those skills so that they can recognize peace and joy and that they can go through any type of adversity that they have in their life because adversity will happen in life. It doesn't mean that they get away from the pain of that and the issues that we have around that, but they're able to go through it easier, a lot faster, and they pop out the other side. But they're not only stronger, but 
It means they're wiser and more personally powerful from the inside out. So they create a tremendous amount of meaning, a tremendous amount of purpose for themselves, and they're able to take that and then move forward in life. Now, Sharon, you're speaking my language, <laughs> but people who are listening are probably going to say, that sounds like a pie in the sky. It sounds like, oh, that's for people who are not going through the crappy things that I'm going through. So you know there are people who are going through really, really tough things cancer and illness and how in the world do you find joy in the midst of something like that? Let's dig into that. Yeah, that's an interesting thing because in my past life, I would never see the peace and the joy in that. In my current life, in the new version of Sharon, I realized that even in the midst of the deepest, darkest pain that you experience, because I've been through a divorce, I've experienced cancer with people that I care about and love, I've had those job losses, that through coaching, I realized that peace and joy were always available to us, meaning we have to pay attention to it in the world, even though we're having pain. So peace and joy come in the form of that somebody cracks a joke and you laugh at it. That's joy. Mm -hmm right there. Right. Um, if you have children or um, grandchildren, they are actually, I call them joy manifestors. <laughs> They're just full of joy and happiness. And, and so it's present and it's there every single day. It's our job to connect to it, even if it's for a millisecond, because when you connect to it, it keeps that connection alive, even in the midst of pain. And that's the goal, because if you don't keep that alive, then you will struggle and be in pain almost all of the time, no matter what. Now, what's interesting is you asked about peace, because peace is an interesting thing. You can't really get to joy until there's some moment of peace like that comes right before it, mm -hmm. typically. So peace is like where you're in that acceptance mode of what's going on in your life. You're not fighting yourself. You're not fighting the pain. You're not fighting anything, but it's more of a, I call it sometimes. And I have a sign in my office that says it is what it is. Right. Meaning there's right. acceptance and you're seeing it for what it really is. Meaning there's a measure of peace that happens out of that. And in that you have that ability to connect to joy immediately. So lots of times, like now what I talk about the most is that everybody's in that happy mode and it's hard sometimes for people when they're really going through some really serious stuff, you may not get to happy, but you can get to peace mm -hmm. and you can create moments of peace, seconds of peace with the goal of creating longer moments of it as you, you know, spiral downward into the pain and then spiral upward. So that's what I mean about having peace. It's always there. I love that. It's just, it surrounds you. You just have to connect to it. So it's there for us to reach out to. And I know that you come about this through a lot of pain yourself and adversity. In fact, I love it on your website. It's sad to see, but you have an adversity bio. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you like that. I haven't added to it. <laughs> Actually, since you've seen it, I've had it. There needs to be additions to it. But yeah, wow. So if you were to share two types of recurring adversity in your life, what would you say those were? That's an interesting question because I have a couple of them. One of them is I, the, the first one is an interesting one. I gave birth to a cognitively disabled son 28 years ago. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, when you have a pregnancy and the baby's born, you know, you go into it like with this, oh my God, this is the way it's going to be. And it certainly wasn't like that for me. Right. And I actually call that a living loss because it's a living, breathing thing because every milestone that's missed is, is like a reoccurring loss. So oh. in some respects, it sets off that adversity part of that. So it's like... When I look at that one, and he's 28 years old, he lives on his own now, he has a girlfriend, he's still cognitively disabled. Mm -hmm. However, adversity Mm -hmm. pops up all the time, and it comes in the form of services that he gets or, you know, where he's in jeopardy of losing that, those services, or when he has what, I'm going to put it in quotation marks, a failure in a job due to his, his cognitive disabilities, or the adversity comes when there's this fear of what will be when I'm not here. Right. How will it look like, right? So that's a, a very living, breathing thing. But I don't look at it so much as adversity and tremendous pain now, but I did prior. The other one, I want to say, is cancer. Mm-hmm. And not... So my husband has reoccurring bladder cancer. And... You know, some people would look at that as an adverse event. I really don't look at it like that because for me, his is more like a nuisance cancer. Okay. Uh But I have a lot of people in my life who have cancer, um, who've died of cancer. Nine women in my family have had breast or ovarian cancer. My mother died from it. Oh, wow. Yeah. My mother died. My grandmother died. My aunt died. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and um, my sister had double mastectomies. I'm BRCA2 positive. I've had preventative surgeries and things like that. And Mm -hmm. um, my former husband died of cancer. And my cousin, my first cousin on my father's side is, she's on hospice right now, and she's dying of cancer. And her sister was diagnosed with breast cancer this week as well during this whole thing. So I would say that cancer is reoccurring. Honestly, I think everybody has that. Everybody knows somebody. Yeah. So how, how do you get through that? How do you, because these are people that are very, very close to you, very close friends, family, and they're dying from cancer and, and another one yet diagnosed this week. How in the world do you deal with that? You know, and become more resilient. Yeah, that's a that's a really great question because I have to kind of frame it from the old Sharon to the more resilient Sharon. Okay, so the older Sharon in the past typically would push the feelings aside and just kind of stoically go through it and hold the pain inside, which is a form of resilience, but it's. No, it doesn't really, you still are left with the pain of it. There's no resolution around it. Um, mm-hmm. I have developed over the years for myself to be able to express my feelings and allow them to feel pain around that. I also look at, I also look at these experiences as I call them a growth experience. Um, it's pain experience, but it's huge emotional and spiritual growth experience. And now I call it, I'm up-leveling my emotional and spiritual journey through it. Mm -hmm. Everything that happens, you can take that and create any meaning and purpose you want out of it. Yes, it's sad. Yes, it's painful. Yes, I don't want that to happen. However, it does. And 
It's up to me to figure out a way to make that into something greater and better than it is. That's how my business was started, actually, through my mother dying, and she had been dead a while, but my two girlfriends had died. My best, two best friends, we were the three of us, and they both had mm-hmm. metastatic bone cancer. And, I, you know, while I was going through the coaching experience and learning how to be a coach, one of them was dying. And I realized that it was really important to help teach people that they're not alone in it and that life is filled with painful experiences, but you can do something greater and better out of it. And that's how my niche really became is out of that where it was a very isolating experience um, when my mother was sick and dying and it was even isolating with my girlfriends and that you don't have to be isolated and that I learned a lot about myself and I learned about my strengths and I learned about how to persevere and I learned how to create their legacy and make it and pay it forward and that is the essence of resilience Literally, it's about managing your feelings. It's about looking at it from many different perspectives so that it helps you rather than hurts you. Was there ever a point in that dark time in your life where you were really in despair and you just couldn't see how to make something good out of all of this? Just the lowest point. Oh, yeah. My, my, I have two low points. The first low point was in 2000, and that was the year I was getting divorced. One of my girlfriends was dying of bone cancer. I lost my full-time job. Oh. And my son, he was 10 at the time, and he had really taken a downward spiral and became emotionally <sighs> compromised, and I had to commit him to a mental institution to save my younger daughter, my five-year-old. Right. And I would definitely tell you that was probably the darkest period in my life. I mean, awful, terrible, terrible period. And I had one just recently in 2015 where prior to 2015, my daughter was diagnosed with a catastrophic illness. Doctor told me she would die if she didn't get treatment. And she was coming out of that. And in the same week, my husband and my former husband were diagnosed with cancer. My former husband went on to die within three weeks. And then there was other, other. I had a multiple, multiple, multiple adverse events that happened within a three-month period. It was a very dark period, but it was, it reminded me of that period in 2000. But it was interesting because I had said to myself, as I was spiraling downward into the pit of hell and despair, I was like, wait a minute. You're not the same person you were in 2000. You're different. You're stronger. Get it. This is very painful. You'll figure out a way through this. At some point, it will, the sunlight will come in again, however that comes in. I don't know how that would come in. And I would, I said that to myself over and over and over again. So that's that self-talk that's really important. Oh yeah. I was doing that in 2000, but I didn't know Mm -hmm. it. I didn't know what I was doing. And I had said that when, after he was committed and my life was in the toilet, I realized that I needed to change because if I didn't change, nothing was going to change. But I would say things like, it's a mountain. I'm going to get over it. And I remember saying, I'm not leaving him behind. He's coming with me. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I, I don't know. And it was just, I dug in. It took many years took about four years, four to five years to really pull him back from the brink. And he came with me. And I really do believe 
It was the power of me, like my determination, you know, where you put it out there in the world and there was just, there was no compromise for me. It was like, he was coming with me. Was there a point in time in your life where you, you can point to that says, I, I turned it around here. I turned around my inner thoughts or I turned around my life to become more resilient. Yeah. It was out of that experience. Um, I had started more into self-development. I had started doing a lot of positive mental thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I had also done, I started to get into meditation at the time as well. I love meditation. Yeah. And that actually propelled me to get into coaching. I had walked away from my job 2009 and I, and I got into uh, life coaching because out of that experience, I, I became more empowered. And it was when I got into coaching was when that whole mindset mm-hmm really, really, really like ramped it up. You know, I was really onto something and it's not just your mindset. It's, it's the emotional component out of your thoughts. Right. You know, we don't make decisions nor experience anything without our emotions and the thoughts do drive it obviously, but it's emotional. And I think a lot of what I do now for myself and for others is help them create a healthier emotional experience. Right. And and that's really key. So if you were to tell somebody listening who is going through some really traumatic times right now, similar things to what you've gone through, what are some steps that they could take this week that would help them become more resilient? Well, the first thing I would tell them is that you're absolutely okay to have your emotions. And that's a super important thing. One of the things I would tell them is to either record their emotions, like speak them out. Okay, so they can listen to it back and speak their thoughts outwards because it's really important to express how you're feeling and how you're thinking. Then I would actually tell them it was it's really important to be grateful. Mm-hmm. And people go, yeah, 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 but it's like there's always, always something to be grateful right. for, right? No matter right. what. And the practice of gratitude. It's a practice. It's not like a thinking helps train your brain to see what you do have rather than what you don't have. Because, you know, when you have right. adversity, you're always looking at what you don't have. It's okay. But you still have a hell of a, I'm going to say it, a hell of a lot of great stuff that's going on. Absolutely. And so when I tell people to do that, I'm like, don't be general, be very specific, super specific. Like, I'm really grateful for this warm water that's like beating down on my shoulders. Like that's a very specific gratitude. Most people will go, Absolutely. I'm really grateful for my children. I'm grateful for this. I'm like, mm, great. But what are you really grateful for about your children? Like I'm really grateful for my son's like bizarre sense of humor. Totally off the wall. Yeah. Okay. But I, I tell people very specific. Don't repeat the same one. So when you do that, essentially you're finding words for that gratefulness. You're actually changing your brain at the same time to focus on that. Yeah, Yeah, because we have a tendency to focus on what we don't have. We have a tendency to focus on the pain. And it's like you're planting the seed to see what you do have. Right. Um, Especially when you're going through a deep, dark period, literally. Yeah. It's, it's, super important to do that, you know, because it's easy to not do that. And that's what I was actually doing in 2000, not knowing what I was doing. And it was more conscious in 2015. And even today, you know, like 
it's very conscious of here is what I appreciate in my life. Here's what I'm grateful in life. And I'm actually grateful for the pain too, because it shows how much you love. Right. right? Absolutely. Well, Sharon, I absolutely love what you've shared. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? I want to let them know that I know that sometimes it doesn't feel like you're resilient. However, you'd be really surprised about how resilient you really are and that it's really important. You know how we put a lot of attention into making money, um, you know, having our house clean and doing everything else. And then it's really, really super important to put that attention into yourself. Absolutely. Um, You're with yourself all the time. And the more resilient you become, the easier your life is going to be. And the more joy and peace you're going to have all the time. Oh, fabulous. Where can they find more of you at? They can find me on my website at Mm www.goodgriefcoaching.com. I am also on Facebook um, at Good Grief. I think it's called Good Grief Life Coaching. And then I also have a private Facebook group at Resilience Mindset and Heart Sat. But those are the easiest ways to connect with me. And on my website, just gives my email address and my phone number. And I'm available all the time. Fabulous. And I I love your Resilience Facebook page because you post things there every single day that is so uplifting and uh, ways to be more resilient. And I absolutely love it. Thank you. I love what you do too. I think what you do and how you do it is phenomenal and it gives a voice, you know, the way that you do it. And I just love everything that you're doing. Thank you. Really appreciate that. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on and sharing your resilience resources and um, thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome to Stacy's Journal. In this segment, I let you peek into my journal as I share my thoughts on a topic or resilience resource. Sharon explained that you can look for joy and peace even in the midst of adversity. So many times in our lives, we have to actively look for joy and recognize things to celebrate. It seems counterintuitive almost. Something sad, bad, or awful has happened. But in addition to feeling those feelings, you also look for joy. I don't want to discount having feelings of sadness because those are valid and important to acknowledge and feel. But holding that alongside the search for tiny bits of joy can help you get through a tough time. Part of finding joy is being present during our days. Presence is a gift. Thinking about the past leads to regret often. Thoughts of the future lead to anxiety. Keep your mind in the present if you want to experience happiness on a regular basis. Find the tiniest amount of joy that's around you. That's all we have for today. Last episode, Peter Shankman, whose brain runs faster than normal, shared his insight into why the ADHD brain is a gift. So if you have someone with ADHD in your life, you might want to go back and have a listen. Next week, we'll interview Mike Vini, America's leading mental health speaker who talks about his own mental health struggles. I love interacting with our listeners on social media. We're on Pinterest, Facebook, and just about anywhere you can hold a great virtual conversation. Before you go, don't forget to go and register for the upcoming webinar, Four Simple Proven Methods to Writing the First Chapter of Your Life Story in Just Seven Days. 
head over to stacybrookman.com webinar for that. One more thing, we're having fun counting down the 100 most important memoirs of the past 200 years. So our memoir of the day is A Movable Feast by Ernest Hemingway, written in 1964. Published posthumously, this remains one of Hemingway's most beloved works. This classic memoir of 1920s Paris is filled with irreverent character, poignant recollections of his first wife, and insights on early writing experiments. It's a literary feast, brilliantly evoking the exuberant mood of Paris and the youthful spirit, unbridled creativity, and unquenchable enthusiasm that Hemingway himself epitomized. Check out A Movable Feast and all the memoirs on this list at stacybrookman.com slash 100 memoirs. And always remember, life is a story, and it's never too late to start telling yours.